0: Hi, my name is Leah Juliet. I'm the founder and executive director of March Against Revenge Porn, an international nonprofit dedicated to combating and eradicating the crime of tech-based sexual abuse, image abuse, cyber exploitation, and non-consensual image sharing known as revenge porn through global organizing, legislative action, trauma-informed programming, media advocacy, victim support services, national protest marches, and a legal defense fund. I started March Against Revenge Porn in 2016 after being victimized by image abuse as a young teenager. By gathering image abuse survivors from around the world, we have marched in four cities, influenced legislation, reached millions with viral video campaigns, and changed the way the media discusses cyber exploitation. For the past four years, we have marched in major cities across the United States to raise awareness of the disproportionate legislation and lack of legislation criminalizing image abuse and the victims across the country being impacted. As a result of COVID-19, we weren't able to march physically this year, but the march continues. We started March Across America to showcase the stories of victims of revenge porn and image abuse from all 50 states to demonstrate how state legislation is not enough to combat this heinous crime. By marching, we reclaim shame and start global dialogues around harm reduction. If you're interested in sharing your story and representing your state, visit MarchAgainstRevengePorn.org march-across-america to sign up. In this episode, I'm joined by March Against Revenge Porn associate director Belinda Berry as we continue our march across America with Sophie Hunter from New York. Sophie Hunter is a Brooklyn-based pop artist originally from New Haven, Connecticut. You can stream her debut single, Nudes in My Bedroom, on all platforms and watch the music video on YouTube about her experience with revenge porn. Throughout this episode and more episodes to come, Sophie and others will be discussing their personal experiences with cyber exploitation. Trigger warning, this content may be upsetting for some viewers and features strong language and themes of suicide. Welcome to March Across America. We are so excited to have you, Sophie, on the podcast, telling your story and sharing with us your creativity, your uniqueness, and your drive. Thank you for being here. Um, Let's start off with some introductions. If you can, introduce yourself to our audience in whatever capacity you feel most comfortable. Share your pronouns, share what you do. We're just really excited to get to know you.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm so, so excited to be here. I've never been on a podcast before, um, but I listen to a lot of them. So mm-hmm. it's game time. Yeah, um, yeah I'm Sophie Hunter. Um, I am a musician. As of, I mean, I've, I've been making music for a long time, but uh, I got in a studio for the first time in March. So this has been a really, really fast transition into putting my stuff out there uh, for the world, but it's been really fun. Um, but yeah, I'm a musician. I'm coming out with uh, some singles this summer. Um, and I uh, am also a writer. Um, that is kind of, that is, I would say my entryway into singing is definitely through songwriting. Um, I'm definitely thinking of myself as a writer before a vocalist, which is something I'm trying to work on. Um, and yeah, my pronouns are she, hers. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Um- I've listened to some of your music I am familiar with your writing and your poetry and you're just an incredible creative and I think that what's going to be really awesome for our audience to hear is how you've turned you know an experience that many would think is detrimental to their existence into something that is not only a learning experience but a creative experience um so let's get to it um yeah why are you here? what is what is your story? We'd love for you to share your story um, with revenge porn with tech-based sexual abuse. And for our audience, uh, we use several terms to describe what is commonly known as revenge porn. For the sake of this conversation, we will just be using the term revenge porn um, but any language around the subject is fitting.
1: Okay, yeah, so, I took my first nude photo in January of 2020. Um, uh, I have a really obsessive personality. Like when I get into something, I get into it really quick, really heavy, Um, which is sometimes good, sometimes bad. (laughs) Uh, And... um, so my kind of career um, as a nudist, uh, <laughs> uh, I I just got into I just got really into taking nude photos um, starting in 2020, um, starting in January. But it really really took off when COVID hit. Um, I was just inside um, and had nothing to do um, and was just like really horny, <laughs> um, and, and and so it all began. Um, no, so I um, my introduction to sexuality was through a, uh, an abusive relationship. Um, so my relationship to myself as a sexual body has always just been really complicated. Um, I've always have felt, um, so even though like, I'm, I'm kind of remarkably cis, I would say, um, I, it does, I feel very, very conscious of how that's always like a, performance. um, And it's a performance that I like. And like the sex part of it is absolutely a part of that performance for me. Um, And it's always something that feels very put on. And I think that was part of, that was part of why I got so into taking nude photos is it really felt like um, I, I just, I've had so much kind of creative control in expressing my um, sexuality um, and which also, also expressing my gender, like kind of all of those things together. It just felt, um, it just, it it felt like I was really kind of, um, rediscovering myself. Uh, uh, and that was a really powerful feeling, um, to be turned on by myself. That was just like, I kind of a really new thing. Um, and that felt really potent, um, and addictive. Um, so it really started just like in my hidden folder, you know, on my camera. Um, I like, I, you know, in January, you know, the first nude I took, I like sent to somebody and that was really fun to get that validation back. Um, but then I got to this point where I was just taking all these nudes and I was like, bitch, I'm good at this. Like, I'm look at these <laughs> and these are beautiful. The world needs to see. Um, but I'm like, I'm like, I can't. I'm like, how, how do I share this? Cause I can't, if, if I send them to somebody, especially like men that I'm meeting online, I can't like send them nudes without them, um, being like, oh, so what's your address? Cause we're going to fuck now. Right. Um, so, uh, that, so I, I was sort of like, well, how do I, how do I share these without, um, then sort of locking myself into sex that I don't want to have, um, reddit.com um yeah truly the 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 sort of like logical uh progression here is is gonna be uh bad <laughs> so uh so yeah i said so that's how i that's how i started uh posting nudes to reddit i was just a little like reddit nudist queen for a whole summer um i had like I don't, I don't even know how I just thought just so much karma. I don't know if you ever want to get karma on Reddit, that's how you do it. You post <laughs> <laughs> Um, But uh, I would, I would post a photo and a photo like uh, on like gone wild or whatever with like, you know, 8 million people are on this sub. Um, and just, just like dozens and dozens of, of, uh, men would hit me up um just so many comments immediately um saying like you're beautiful that's very few of them said that they were more like i i you know want to watch your beautiful white titties bounce on my cock that kind of thing um a lot of like in-depth like fan fiction. I was like clearly you've pre-written this because it, it it has been 3 seconds since I posted that photo like I I had does this work for you ever. <laughs> um yeah, they got very creative. Um but yeah, I mean I think that attention was just like so validating because it felt like oh, you know, this is a creative outlet of mine, um but it's also me, it's also my sexuality like I'm getting all this attention. This feels really good. Um, and I just got really bold with it, um, uh, and started posting my face. Um, cause I was like, mm, that's pretty too, put it in.
2: <laughs> I love that. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. I was just like deeply feeling myself. Um, so got really bold with it and then eventually so eventually what happened is I posted something on Instagram that um I just like posted like a like a kind of -of run-of-the-mill thirst trap on Instagram and my mom um I talked to my mom about it and she was like I just she was kind of upset by it um her just because she was like I'm scared that you're making yourself vulnerable in ways that you might not be um thinking through and I was like mom everyone does this um but, but also, you know, in the back of my mind was like, oh shit, she really does not know about, you know, me being like Reddit queen. Um, so I delete everything in this, in this just like fit of shame, um, you know, can't let's send everything to my hidden folder. Like can't open it. Just I'm like, so, it, so embarrassed by it all. Um, um And then I got back into it, start a new account, do the same thing again. It was like this kind of, I really don't think that this is how nudes play out for everyone. But for me, it was kind of like, it was kind of a, an, an addiction cycle. Like, I think just the way that I was interacting with that attention felt very much so, um, like addictive substances have to me in the past. Um, just knowing that that's like a thing that I've struggled with, um, So I just really wanted that attention and then it would flood in and then I would, you know, get really ashamed, delete everything. So finally um, everything is deleted. I've kind of moved on from, from my Reddit queendom Um, and it's months and months later. um, I, it, I run, I write a little cultural criticism blog because I like doing that with my time. (laughs) Um, And uh, I can see where views are coming in from. And it's like, oh, you're getting all these views from Reddit. And I was like, oh, that cannot be good (laughs) because this cultural criticism blog is definitely under my name um, with my face on it. Um, And I see that somebody has started a subreddit in my name. Um, And I go to the subreddit and... um, so it's no, it's actually no nude photos. It's none of those photos from, from Reddit, but it's actually all of these photos from, uh, my Facebook that I made when I was 13 years old. And so I didn't, I literally didn't realize that it was, it was public. Um, you could see all of my Facebook photos. If you were looking, it's just, nobody would be looking except for firewire68, um, who, started this started the sub and he he uh I guess just had all he'd like downloaded all of my Facebook photos um and was really posting would post one a day for like every other day maybe and had been doing so for a month um and uh uh I, th- I think that my favorite comment slash the only comment on the sub was on one picture of me and it was like are you? Did you just start a sub for some random girl, <laughs> which is liter- literally what this man did. He it was sort of like he his interact he was ad- interacting with me like I was like some famous celebrity, um, uh, and I just you know I'm not. Um, and it was really it was it it was really um, scary for me. I think in part because these photos, so many of these photos were so old, and also the tone uh, and the tenor of his. Um, of his captions of these photos was really sexualizing me and these were really pictures of me from when i was in high school like freshman high school 14 15 um and with you know and he'd have the caption like oh she's got curves in all the right places um and i yeah um and Uh, he also had, he also had somehow had access to every video that I've ever uploaded to YouTube, um, including one that I uploaded in 2014 and took down a couple of weeks later. Um, so I don't know how long this person had been, like, I don't know where he found that. Um, I don't know if he's sort of been following me for a long time. I don't, uh, um, I obviously I freaked out. And uh, a friend of mine had a friend who like used to work in cybersecurity. She tried to look this guy up um, and he came up with a name in California, like of a person I, you know, I don't know. Um, So I don't think it's kind of a, I don't, I don't know like who this person is, Um, but he was posting these videos. He made a YouTube account um, to post videos of me um, these videos that had been deleted. And he was also posting them on all these other, uh, video sharing websites, like sketchier ones. Um, and so I see this, I see this subreddit and freak out. Um, and, uh, I freak out because I'm like, okay, if firewire68 is, is posting all of these photos of me, there is, I have no doubt in my mind, he is going to find out about my nudes phase. Um, anybody who cares about me this much about who doesn't know me and is just looking for content of this, like of this person, absolutely. He's going to find it. So I need to find my nudes and get them down before he does, if they still exist on the internet. Um, so it was, I very much so was like, I'm going to race against time, (laughs) um, and just spend, um, I would say a week um, in this, in this same position, hunched over on my bed, like (laughs) hunchback on my laptop, just Googling my name, plus the worst thing that I can think of any, any of the worst things that I can think of. And I find everything I find every, every photo that I have posted has been posted by all these different websites um uh a lot by bot websites that just like scrape reddit um for porn content um and also posted by just like individuals who had saved uh my photos um there's a whole site uh that it's like Social, it's like sexy e-girls dot forum, and I'm like, yes, sexy e-girl. I guess, guess that's what I am now. Holler, um, but uh. where you like anyways it's like it's a revenge porn like forum where people um share photos of like gone wild girls basically um there's also a there's also an archive on the on the dark web um of called gone wild archive where you can find any anything that is posted to gone wild goes up there um i um so i find all of this and uh just start emailing frantically because i'm i'm like i i obviously first thing I do is like try to contact a lawyer try to contact some kind of image removal services they're like oh I'm so grateful you called I can hear the pain in your voice it's gonna start at $3,500 and I'm like I oh my god you're kidding me $3,500 per image like like I said I was a Reddit queen (laughs) this is gonna get expensive um and uh, I like, it was just absolutely not an option for me. So I start looking into, um, what I can do on my own. Cause I also just didn't feel comfortable going to the police. It didn't feel like it did. It felt like if I walked into a, into a police station and told them what had happened, that they would just laugh in my face. Um, I, I have no idea if that would have happened. It just, it just seemed like, like, a, this is not their problem. Um, and, um, So I didn't feel comfortable going to police. Um, I didn't feel comfortable having my family help out in any capacity, because I'm like, God forbid they see any of this. Um, Or, you know, friends kind of for that same reason. I'm so ashamed of this. I don't want them to come across any of this content. Um, So I'm like, oh, I'm really, I'm literally on my own. I have to do all of this myself. Um, So I, uh, just tracking down every single thing and, um, and, trying to get it removed by google um so just through like copyright law um which google uh like google does not allow you to uh cite revenge porn for um taking stuff down if you have ever if you uploaded it willingly at any point in time um they're like if you consented to have this on the on the internet then um it's like it's like a question and if, if you click that bubble then it's like the whole form disappears it's like oh you're you're not allowed to continue with this because you dumb whore like you uploaded it yourself um uh, like what did you think was going to happen it's the internet um and so i spend a lot of time on google i don't know if you've ever spent enough time uh uh so much time on google um that they uh, ask you if you're a robot Um, that happened to me just so many times Uh, they kept they kept trying to like lock me out of google because they're like you are clearly a bot i'm like i'm actually not a bot i'm just a crazed person um yeah. So just really did nothing else, did not eat or sleep for a week. Um, and this was the week of the last week of 2020 into the very first week of 2021. So that's how I spent my new year. <laughs> um, was deep in, in, uh, you know, sending, sending Google, uh, Google drive links to copies of my own tits. So to be like, Hey, these are mine. Um, yeah. So basically was just like desperately trying to get all of that all of these photos taken down um on my own before firewire68 could find them and start posting um the uh posting the you know start posting these images um because I knew that that was inevitable that was that was going to happen um and uh unfortunately it's just especially with these bot sites they're hosted by these like sketchy um these really sketchy servers services i don't i don't even know what to call them um cloudflare contabo i don't all of these like sketchy german they're like their offices are in germany and you if you message them and if you say like i'm trying to reach the abuse department they will stop contacting you um so i i just you know was sending emails to these these abuse inboxes for just weeks and weeks and getting no response um and, um, I gave up, I gave up, um, I, what happened with, uh, ultimately with the Reddit situation is that, um, I complained enough to Reddit that, uh, Reddit complained to firewire68. They didn't take down the sub. Um, they just said, Hey, um, you need to be a little less interested in this girl, but you can keep your creepy sub up um so they made the sub private it's now it's now invite only I think actually I just looked it up and it doesn't it he deleted it but for a while a while there the outcome was that it was private um and it was invite only so it was literally I was the only person who couldn't see my own sub which is disgusting um and he messaged me because I messaged him because that, that's what, what Reddit told me to do. They were like, hey, um, we see that you have a stalker. Can you just ask to stop being stalked? And I was like, mm, I'm so dumb. Why didn't I think about that? Um, but so I did, yeah, I did message. I did message him and um, I told him where I, where I was at, which was honestly, this, this sub is making me feel suicidal. This is making me feel um, absolute, like, I like I don't I don't want to be here anymore um and um he responded but with like uh self-harm is never the answer you're so talented and I was like you're you don't know I don't you don't know me like I don't know. It was, it was, yeah. So he still messages me sometimes and I still get those emails. Um, I just need to delete my Reddit account so that I don't get them. Cause it just it like ruins my day to get these messages from him. It'll be like, it's springtime. Um, hope you're doing well. And it's like this, this dude might be like, it's not even, maybe he's a great guy. You know, I have no idea. It's just like, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm. I feel like I'm. I'm being really incoherent. I feel like you'll have to edit some of this out. But um. Um. Yeah. So basically, the what happened is that I got none of my photos taken down. Um. I did not get the Reddit taken down. Um. Now there's less stuff of my uh like naked body kind of readily available on google images um but if you if you really looked you could definitely find it um and that is that was just something that i was like well you're gonna have to live with this awful cloud over your head forever then i guess that's i guess that's what you do now (laughs) um and i really didn't want to live like that um so That moment with uh, with firewire sixty eight, that whole just week, um caused me to relapse um, on ketamine. And I lost my closest friend because of that relapse. and uh, wrote the last song of on the project that i um will be releasing and um basically sent that song i sent a demo of that song to another friend and she was like you need to get in a studio you need to get in a studio you need to take this uh, Take this singing shit seriously um and just like kind of see how it plays out because you're always sending me these demos and i'm always telling you that they're good and you never do anything about it and so i was like okay but <laughs> um let's i, I just am like like google google studios on you know just like find something on the queue line that is relatively inexpensive um and I I recorded four songs and they're all coming out this summer. Um, and basically, the first one, they I, they're all songs that I originally wrote to Playboy Cardi type beats on that I just like found on YouTube. Um, uh, and the it, so I tried to buy them, but it turns out that the only one the only one that I would essentially have rights to uh, turned out to be Nudes in My Bedroom, um, which is a song that I wrote. During that initial kind of like uh, summary phase of just taking nudes obsessively, and the song is literally just about having a great time taking nudes and that kind of feeling of uh, creative control of of uh, you know expressing expressing my sexuality, um, that kind of validation, like all of that fun shit, um, and then obviously it became a song that by January of 2021 I was I was unlistenable for me. Um, it was just so humiliating. Uh, and then of course I go to it, I go to a studio and it's like, no, I don't have to release any of this shit. I'm not really thinking about releasing it because that seems so far away. Of of course this song had to be first because it's, um, it's the thing that I'm most ashamed about. Um, I think I, I am weirdly like deeply inspired by the movie eight mile. (laughs) Um, thank you, Eminem. Um, well, Honestly, because I think that he just lays out the strategy uh, in in the like last 15 minutes of the movie that the the final uh, what happens in Eight Mile for anybody who hasn't seen it is um, he does these like freestyle competitions. Eminem does these freestyle competitions, and he's he's going to to this um, to this like final competition. It's like you know everyone's there. It's it, it, It's like his his greatest nemesis, Um, and how and how the the guy that he's going up against, um, basically he just just like gets gets all this dirt on Eminem, and he's like he's like you know he's he's like white trailer trash from from nowhere. He has nothing going on for him, Um, and Eminem's move is to just say all of that shit first and say it loudest, and that's what he does in that freestyle, and that's what I love about Eight Mile, is that it's like. you have to be the one to air your dirty laundry, uh, because other people are going to do that shit for you. And like, yeah, absolutely. It's foul. It's stinky shit, but, um, you know, you can tell it with flair. Uh, and that's really what I wanted nudes to be about. Um, and that's what I, what, that's what it has been about for me, um, has been, yeah, just like, yeah, uh, getting the last laugh.
0: I mean, I think so many of us, um, I know me in particular, I really relate to that idea that you have to be the first one to share your story before someone else gets the opportunity to tell it for you in a way that's salacious or untrue, or, you know, they can profit off of it. And I think that that's like, in a world where there's so few ways that we can come out on top as victims, as marginalized people, as femmes, you know, that our voice, using our voice as a a form of our power is like one of the only ways that we can do it is by beating them to the punch. And it's like the hardest way too. Um, It takes a fuck ton of courage (laughs) to be able to say all of the things about yourself that, you know, the world has taught you that you shouldn't ever say or that no one wants to hear. Um, and it's, I mean, that's what happened in my case. That's, I think that's what so many of us in the community of revenge porn victims, survivors, allies, I think we can all relate to that. Um, so, I, but I'm really glad you're here. I'm so sorry. All of that, that whole story is just I think exemplifies so many of the nuances of, of problems that exist on the internet. Um, it's really fucking awful and I'm so sorry.
1: Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's just um, like the, inter- the internet is so weird and I, I just don't, I just don't think that it's inevitable I guess so my my feeling when all of this happened is like you dumb bitch this is how the internet works if you put this shit out there it is going to be out there forever you you kind of knew that and or like maybe a part of you knew that and wasn't thinking about it but um like like why didn't you behave like that was the case and that might be the case now but I actually don't think that that's inevitable I don't think that that is in- inevitable that the internet has to work like that um and I think that we're just in this weird space right now where it does, but it takes having conversations like these to kind of change any of that.
2: Yeah, I, I really um, identify with your story because mine aligns a lot with what you've said here today. Because um, like in my own story, I remember um, how like some of my extended family came out is because I started telling my story but I started telling my story before I'd come out to a lot of people. And um I ended up on the news. And like um one of my family members called my mom and was like, Why is Belinda on the news? And so thankfully I have a very supportive mom who was able to be like, Oh, this is what happened. Um, but then you I think the shame comes from it so much of it is entrenched in how people talk to us about the things we've experienced um, and really kind of helps to try to keep us in that shame cycle. Um, Because even if we feel good about it, or even if we acknowledge that we knew our nudes were gonna be on the internet, knowing that they are going to be there and You just have so many people who use them in ways that I don't know if you could ever actually uh, fathom that that's how they're gonna be used, you know? And I think that we should, as, you know, when it comes to like autonomy and bodily autonomy and, you know, having our own agency, we should still be able to have that agency even if we, you know, wanna be the titty queen on Reddit we should still have a right to say how art, like how images are used. Um, it doesn't make it a free for all. And I think it's other people who make it into something that it's not and change the, the essence of whatever the intention was behind posting the photos. They change it, they skew it and really just make it, they make it the problem. The problem's not the behavior, like, you know, the action of posting nudes on the internet. It's consent and respecting. Respecting people.
0: Yeah. I, I want to talk a little more about how you've navigated your experience transitioning from victimization to now coming to terms with what that means for you in the future as an artist, but also as a human being. Um, I know you've said that you've struggled to align your experience with other victims of revenge porn because, you know, your experience is different. It's not like you know, my instance where I sent a picture to one person and he disseminated it. You know, your photos were on Reddit at one point, and now you can't get them off, um, which I think is not so unique because that happened, I mean, 10 million victims of revenge porn exist nationwide. You know, this happens every day. And this, I think your story is going to hit home for a lot of people who've been in the same situation. So what would you say to that voice or to those folks who are also living through the same experiences um, that tells you that you aren't victim enough to identify with this community of victims and survivors?
1: Absolutely. I think that's, that's been the hugest thing for me. Um, honestly, is just thinking about uh, thinking about that little bubble on Google, um, you know, asking like, Oh, but you wanted these photos online at some point. Right. Um, and me having to click yes. And that feeling like, Oh, well, legally all of your options are now gone. Um, and yeah so it just it it did it felt like it felt like oh i'm not a victim of revenge porn um a there's nobody seeking revenge on me these are like bot websites this is this is computer code it's not a person and b in the case of you know in in the case of what was maybe the most alarming part of that part of this whole experience was you know seeing those photos of myself at age 14 with these like um, nsfx, nsfw, uh, sorry, caption, all all of my stuff ended up on this website called nsfw.xxx, um, which is like a, like a porn bot website that, uh, crawled, uh, the subreddit, um, under my name, uh, with my photos. And now, so if now, if you look up like ginger, uh, on that site, you will see photos of me at like slam poetry, like contest, just sitting there, you know, eating my lunch. I'm 14. It's just a picture of my face. That's not porn. Um, so it just felt like, it felt like I, I felt deeply uncomfortable calling any of what, any of my experience revenge porn, and I was also like, I can't be a victim of this. Um, I'm just, I'm just dumb uh, because I, I uploaded these photos without fully thinking through the consequences, and um, I'm, you know, I made a bad call. Um, and I think, I think what I have been trying to say to that voice is, um, hell yes, you have every right to. To control how you want your images to be seen, why, wh- why, why does that make a difference? Why would that make a difference? Of of course, like it is not an inevitability that um, that anything you put on the internet has to be scraped um, and will be there forever and ever. Like that's not inevitable, um, and uh, you like you absolutely have a right to, to, you know, tell the story of your body, however you want to, um, when you want to, and um, you know, on what platforms you want to. Uh, and I think my whole transition into this has been, it's like, it's weird to call it a transition. Cause I, I think I, I, it doesn't like there, I just, there is no moment where I'm going to be unashamed. Like there's no, I I think there's no, like Uh, final threshold for me to reach. And the process of making this song and coming out with this music video and coming out with my whole experience, um, with revenge porn has honestly just been just doing it. Like literally just saying it. um, I still feel deeply humiliated by myself. I still feel shamed. I still feel like, um, you know, I still have all of those feelings. I haven't moved on from them. Um, I think I'm just also trying to let in these feelings of anger and, uh, indignance. Um, um, yeah. And it's just about, it's just about doing it. And I think, I, I think that, um, that is maybe, that's maybe some advice that i would have for some like like i said i'm like six months out of this experience you know um and that's maybe i the advice i would have for somebody who's who's fewer months out from a revenge-born experience is that that it's probably not going to be some moment that's going to come um and great if it if it does some moment when your shame is released um uh it's i think it's just a matter of of yeah, like literally every day, just kind of staring down that shame and trying to find, um, trying to find that anger, that like seed of anger, um, because it's I, I think the my therapist has said this has said this, and I I feel like I'm going to uh, mess it up now, but it's like the difference between shame and guilt um, is like shame shame is basically comes from when you do something that's against your values. Um, sorry, not shame. Guilt is when you do something that's against your values. Shame is something that's basically when you're, when you're doing something that's kind of a, uh, against like society's values. I don't know. So I I think I have to find the anger at society. Um, even though that feels really like, where, where do you start with that?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Oh gosh. I, I don't know if I can say enough. Like, I know I keep saying our stories are similar. Um, or in those feelings of just the the shame and feeling responsible for your, like, for your own, like, somehow you end up feeling responsible for your own victimization, which is just, it, it really is so difficult to come to terms with, because like, my photos, I did a photo shoot with a, like, close friend of mine, same thing, I was feeling myself, I had, moved you know I'd moved from Ohio to Pittsburgh and I uh, was in grad school and I was really exploring my sexuality and my identity outside of you know with this like new freedom and and in a new city and I was like you know what I like I trust you know I trusted the And I still do trust the person who took my photos. They're not the person who shared them. Um, But it was this amazing experience. I still love my photos. I am still proud of my photos. Um, But I did that thing in my head where I was like, these are art. These are artistic and powerful. And for me, like, so... Uh, the photographer had an online portfolio where he kept all of his stuff and that's where people started getting my photos from and that first they were hidden again in discord a messaging app and then from there they slowly they it started then they started popping up everywhere um but with that kind of came this i was obsessed i did the same thing i had Google alert set up to my name. So anytime my name popped up, I got an email and it became this all consuming, like just, I, I just was hyper-focused on it. And um, I guess to put it in comparison, and I don't know if it helps or adds a little hope to it. Cause I'm, oh gosh, I'm three to four. Is that how long it's been? I think I'm like three to four years out of Um, like, my discovery that it doesn't matter how you intend photos to be used. uh, People will always, people change it and use it how they want and are, it's fucked up. Um, But eventually kind of came this acceptance of like, well, these are out there. It's a part of my story. Um, I still love my photos. I still totally like feel myself and my sexuality and the blame to like that's one of the things that's important to us is at March Against Revenge Porn is you know kind of changing the conversation around what consent is and um, sort of the what you have you know not just convincing us that we should have consent but teaching others what consent actually is and just because something's on the internet doesn't mean it can be shared willy-nilly because I yeah. think of I, uh, Lee and I were just talking I think of this cute little video I posted years ago it was like a I think it was when on Instagram you could only post like short little snippets of videos um, but it was a it had Prince. it was Prince, uh, and it was kiss and I did a cute little video and it was like, and I was like, this is cute. It was up maybe an hour before something found it, flagged it and took it down because Prince had copyright of it. Like he had, you know, so like what, so Google obviously probably recognizes, you know, this like the, the, you know, people's right to their art because, but it, it, where it depends is, do you have capital? Do you have money behind it? Um, and I think that's just predatory that the only way your, 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 your copyright and your right to your you know images or music only happens if you have the money to back it up to pay the $3,500 a picture to get it taken down. That is just absolutely I, uh, appalling to me. Um, cause it, 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 it's evident that copyright does matter, but only if you're not a femme with nudes on the internet.
1: Yeah. It's like copyright matters. Google has Google. And I mean, and all of these different companies, they have the technology, um, to, to respect copyright. They it's, it's really just a matter of choice. Um, and, and I think also it's, it's like the the internet is so weird because um I I feel like it, you know, there's there's the whole attitude of like, oh well, you're just dumb because if you put out your nudes, they're gonna be on the internet forever. Um, creepy men are gonna have them. That's how the internet works. Um, and I feel like that's kind of born into like the whole origin story of the internet is very like it's kind of this twin story of like. On the one side we have these like cyberspace vigilantes the 70s cybernetics kind of thing and on the other side it's like um you know the also the other kind of origin story of the internet was that it was like developed as arpanet as a government um military weapon essentially um but but like both of those stories they're deeply masculine um in a way that i think then kind of breeds this like version of the internet that is also very like um masculine in a bad sense like in the the sense of toxic masculinity um Mm -hmm. and the fact that like copyright that copyright law is what is what is like the most useful thing in getting in getting revenge porn taken down right now i think i think like makes that case in point (laughs) um
0: yeah i I think something that this reminded me of that we haven't really talked about at margie and revenge porn for some reason is the whole instance with Khloe kardashian a few weeks ago um i don't for those listening who who may not have heard of it Khloe kardashian really um whenever she posts content online it's very much funneled through you know Just her. I mean, obviously, she has to give permission to a photo of her being posted online. Um, Many people say that that's because she likes to present in a certain way. Whatever the case may be, a photo was posted of her in a bathing suit um, that she did not give permission to be posted. And um, basically, in a matter of hours, the internet was scrubbed clean of this photo, which had been disseminated thousands, if not millions of times already, but scrubbed clean, like you could probably still find it, but it's challenging to find it by lawyers under the guise of copyright law. Um, because she said, you know, I have copyright of this photo, I was not, I did not give permission for it to be disseminated. Um, and so it just shows that if you have the money, if you have the elitist status, if you have the social status, you can get anything removed. Um, you know, of course, then that brings up, that brought up a lot of conversations around, you know, you are the one who's perpetuating these stigmas that bodies aren't good enough, whatever. So there's a lot of nuance to this situation. But the reason I bring it up is just because it really shows that copyright laws do work in the favor of those who have the money to be able to afford um, the services. I know that there were, there are services that are offered for victims of revenge porn and tech-based sexual abuse um, that we've even worked with in the past before we realized how harmful they were. Um, A specific service, I don't remember the name of it, but um, you paid to get your photos taken down and they would scrub the internet for your photos. Um, You know, you paid based on whether you wanted them to look for your photos every month, every week, every day. And then a few months ago, victims started emailing us saying, you know, I'm paying for this service, but I'll, all of a sudden they disappeared, they stopped responding to us, they dropped off the face of the earth. Um so I think that also shows that these these websites that prey on you know victims who are desperate to get help are predatory. Um they are predominantly run by men and they capitalize off of the destruction of of, of what you see as the destruction of your life. And while certainly there are some people who, you know, make a living off of, you know, helping others, lawyers and attorneys and things like that, the majority of the services that I would say are legitimate are the ones that offer it pro or low bono. Because if you want to help someone, you're going to help them. You're not going to, you know, get $5,000 per photo. That's just so predatory. Um, But I also... Quickly, we just wanted to also say that I think terminology means a lot in this case. You were saying that you didn't feel like it was revenge porn because no one was getting revenge off of you and your photos weren't pornography because nudity is not inherently pornography and also the photos of you when you were 14 were certainly not pornography. And that's really why March Against Revenge Porn advocates for other terminology besides just the word revenge porn. Um, I personally like to use tech-based sexual abuse. And in this instance, your situation is certainly tech-based sexual abuse. Like literally technology is sexually abusing you or image abuse or non-consensual image sharing. You know, those terms are so much better, but they're just not as salacious and they're not as just widely distributed in the media. So it gets, it's, it's not something that's easily picked up. Um, but in that instance, I think, you know, obviously what happened to you is, awful and certainly grounds for sexual abuse um but i think it definitely speaks to how the term revenge porn is inherently problematic
2: yeah because even when you think of like the way the laws are sort of currently framed um you have to prove intent to harm in a lot of revenge porn laws and anybody can tell you that proving intent is is so difficult. And so when you have instances like you where it was just your photos online, same with mine, like there was was no recourse to be able to prove intent, Um, not to mention that when it crosses state lines, there's nothing, there's so little there in the way of helping anybody sort of navigate that. I also wanted to say that you're you you're very much not alone in how the fear you had around like going to the police. Um, unfortunately, um, there's a lot of victim blaming that happens around sexual abuse in general, let alone image abuse. Um, and then you factor in the other the other side that there are so many people and um and and cops as well, who just they don't understand technology. Um, when I worked with a previous um, organization, a part of what we would sometimes do was collect the evidence for the victim and for the police officers because they didn't know how to navigate the websites. and in some way, there are so many websites uh, it, uh, you know, unless you constantly have the ear to the ground, it would be hard to keep up on, but at the same time, it just creates this, um, people are more likely to poo poo something off if they feel, if they realize they're not equipped to 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 help. So instead of being like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have these skills, let me find somebody who does, it then becomes easier to be like, to feel defensive and be like, and, and, and totally undermine um, somebody else, like somebody's abuse. Um,
1: and yeah. 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 I didn't I I did not realize that this was a whole industry and was really, really horrified and disgusted um to realize uh I mean, thankfully I didn't get scammed, but um I, I those those services, like the those services and the people who are paying to show up first on Google for help revenge porn, those people are the exact people you need to stay away from. Like those people, those are, they are predators. Um, so that, that was really scary, um, and really scary to find out that that is a whole industry that exists. Um, and I think also that also like the thing about the term revenge porn is, uh, like we need a new term, uh, but also, like, even people don't even understand what revenge porn is yet. Like, I feel like, like in that, in that, in this week, in this sort of dead week um, of me just googling, um, crouched over on my bed, um, like I was just on YouTube trying to look around for like, what is revenge porn? And it's like, and it's like news clips from ten years ago. It's just, it just was shocking to me how little information was sort of readily available for me to find. And that's, and that's why I'm, and that is why I'm here is because, uh, the person that I kept finding was Leah, um, uh, which was insane because I, I know Leah from doing, from coming up as like a slam poetry kit in Connecticut, which is, there are truly like 14 people who do that. So uh, it's, it's an true. insane connection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, So, yeah, I mean, and and that's, and that's, it just seems, it seems so fortuitous, um, that then I was able to connect with you Leah over this, um, and kind of, you know, in, in doing this podcast, like this, this conversation, I think as messy as it is, um, I want this to be the resource that I did not have in that moment, um because this is happening to so many more people, especially as a result of COVID. COVID has, pu- I mean, just pushed so many people indoors, has pushed so many people into sex work. Like OnlyFans has been blowing up. I just, I, I think that we actually, it, it, we do not live in a world where it's inevitable that if you have an OnlyFans, then your life is ruined because you did not OnlyFans for two months because you had a rough spot during COVID or just because you wanted to. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I also think going back to what Belinda was saying about intent to harm, I think. Mm. That- so important that folks know about, because even, you know, when we're championing all of the laws that are passing state by state, half of these laws have to have the victim has to prove that the perpetrator intended to harm them. So let's say you pursued legal action, you could firewire 68 could say, I was just a fan of Sophie, I didn't intend to harm her. You're like, well, you don't get to decide what harms me and how I react to it. Like, you were a stalker. Um, but he could easily say, you know, there, you can't prove intent to harm. Um, so I think that that's something that we obviously are pushing to have removed in state laws. We are pushing in to this, have that not included in federal legislation as well.
1: Absolutely. I mean, l- literally in this conversation, in, in recalling that story, I was like, I'm sure he's a nice guy Bec- because some part of me, some part of me is like, I see is that there wasn't an intent to harm. And that's, and that's why it, I feel disqualified from feeling bad about the situation when objectively he's talked to me, he's, he's yeah. diverse to me. Um, yeah. and it, even though, even though he might have only had the best intentions, like those,
0: those, that doesn't matter. Yeah. I do that all the time. I'm always like, you know, well, he probably had so much going on in his own home life that he felt like he had to lash out against me. I'm like, absolutely not like yeah yeah does not
2: matter (laughs) completely as like women and femmes um so often are like we are taught to take accountability for other people's actions and behaviors and to worry about their own discomfort over our own like it's okay for us to be uncomfortable as long as it means we're saving somebody else from being uncomfortable, and I think it's so easy for us to like take all that in and it's hard to put um when you wrap up shame into it, it makes it really hard to be like, "Hey, yeah, this person they're the one that fucked up like it's really hard to be able to say that, and um it's because you know when it comes to accountability, so often it is disproportionately like it is so often put on us as women and femmes. Um, and is just, I think a further, um, you know, further proves the point of how rampant victim blaming is. Um, and it's just a, it's, I think we just have a really,
1: we have a really black and white perception of, of like, oh, if I'm a victim, it means that, um, I did nothing wrong. I was, I, you know, I'm a great person and I, it's just like, it's always complicated. It's always the case that, that the stalker, you know, didn't mean any harm and that I, I, okay, you know, I am an attention seeking whore. Okay, great. Like that also, I can also be a victim like, and those, you know, I I think it's just always messy. Um, yeah.
2: Cause I know, um, that not feeling victim enough, um, the previous organization I worked with, uh, which was, uh, called badass battling against demeaning and abusive selfie sharing. Um, you know, the people around me had these really salacious and, you know, traumatizing like experiences and, when we were doing media and telling our stories, it was, I can't tell you how many times it like my, like, I would also go tell my story and my story would be a sentence and it further made me go, oh, my, I'm, I'm not victim enough. I, I didn't, you know, have X, Y, and Z happen. So my story doesn't carry the same weight Um, and I've had to battle sort of allowing myself to one feel to be allowed to feel like my I've been violated and um, and that and just kind of you know it I it took me years to process because I had to overcome that sort of that same like not feeling victim enough and it kept me from being able to process and heal because I was so stuck, I'm all like, well, I shouldn't feel this way. Um, even though I know I hate shoulda, woulda, couldas, like they don't help anybody. Well, you should have done this, you could have done that. They never help. But I was still doing that to myself and um, it added this layer of, you know, shame and guilt. Um, Cause I was like, "How? why do I have a right to tell my story because you know, because it isn't as bad as what others went through. It wasn't that I, you know, it didn't have the revenge component. I didn't send it to um, a lover or friend. It was something that I took professionally and was on the internet and was okay to some degree. But then, you know, all of a sudden guys from my hometown was like, anybody got pictures of uh, Belinda B rhymes with Mary from Salem, Ohio. And then you're like, and then all the pictures would show. And then you have people who I knew, but didn't like, who knew me, who were like, oh man, I've been wanting to see these tits for years and no recourse. Cause I couldn't prove who those were. I have theories because i am an excellent internet stalker myself but you know if i would have taken that to court or police officers they would have laughed in my face cuz it 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 wasn't enough and you know so what you're going to get people in trouble for viewing and interacting with your photos how how do you even begin to try to get justice on something like that mm-hmm. you for a lot of people, the answer is they don't.
0: I wrote a piece for Glamour a few years ago that was about how revenge porn needs its own Me Too movement, and mm. I think that that's just still so true because I feel like people have their heads wrapped around the fact that consent can be revoked now when it comes to sex, physical sex, um, not all people, of course, but we're getting there uh, where people say, you know, consent, you know, can be given and it can be taken away. But the same thing happens with consent over images. You know, just because yeah. you sent it at one time does not mean that that consent can never be taken away. That's just not how anything works in any other capacity of our, our daily lives. You say you want something, you change your mind. It's, it, you know what I mean? You have the right to change your mind. And no. I think that right to change your mind, goes along with our agency and our autonomy and when we're stripped of our right to change our mind when we're stripped of our right to revoke consent um it makes these choices that we make that we may at one point you know celebrate or think are wonderful choices we make them it turns them into choices that we have no way to edit we have no way to take back when we discover that we no longer wish to make those choices um, and I also think the arc of the the imperfect victim is, is one that's so important as well as someone whose story was allowed to be you know in a lot of media um, what people played on was the fact that you were a child I was a child I was under I was 14 15 years old and that made it digestible to an audience because they were able to read it as child pornography um, I feel like if my same story happened, but I was over 18, it wouldn't have gotten as much press because, you know, people want to hear the arc of, like, victim to survivor, victim to activist, and there's no room for the nuance of, well, actually, I'm still suicidal, or, well, actually, I'm still taking nudes. I still like to take nudes. Um, You know, they want to see, like, Black and white, it was, and then it wasn't. And that's just not the narrative of the majority of victims.
2: No, and we're like entering this time because like even when we look at, um, I so often think about the difference in how we view, I think the problem comes from how we view nudity of women and femmes. Um, because, you know, you... So you have Anthony Weiner, who uh, had sent uh, nude photos, got called out. It was the big scandal. He's still working in politics. And then you have other politicians, like uh, our first podcast was with Katie Hill, and she, she stepped down. You have because of the press that it brought and i just think that the again i, I guess this is i'm the accountability piece is that you know how how we handle accountability and um process it is just so it's just problematic um i forget where i was going with that point but um it yeah. I don't know. I
0: lost it. <laughs> well, Sophie, I know that you, there were some other things you wanted to touch on uh, before we wrap up. So um, if you, if you want to, you know, lead the conversation, I know we want to talk a little bit about your music more, where people can find it um, when it does come out and how um, they can enjoy it on streaming services and yeah, things like I think,
1: that. Uh- Uh, with respect to the music. um, Yeah, so it is now on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, wherever you want to listen. And then the music video is on YouTube. And the music video is, uh, the music video is really where I wanted to uh, tell the story about the revenge porn, um, just because you know, the song itself, like the lyrics are definitely from that, that initial time period um, of just taking nudes and really enjoying it. Um, So I did, I just wanted to kind of tell the whole story um, with the music video, but I wanted to tell it in a way that was not moralizing, Cause I do, I just don't think that the moral of the story is that, um, taking nudes is bad and I shouldn't have done that. Like, I think that's, that would be a bad takeaway. And I don't want, cause I think it's, it's true that I, I really like taking nudes. Um, and, uh, a, a, one of the weirdest parts of this whole experience is that, um, like actually after that, that kind of like awful week or so that I spent all that time on Google trying to get everything down. I entered another phase of taking nudes all the time. I like literally went to like ordered, ordered some little, little hoey lingerie online. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I got back into it. It's like, um, so it's, it's, I just wanted to tell all sides of, of that being both a really pleasurable and a really, um, horrifying experience um and so the so the music video is uh on youtube uh sophie hunter nudes in my bedroom um you can watch it now
0: so good. It's thank so good thank you thank li- uh, you i literally i like was supposed to be doing homework and I found myself like, I played it like five times. I like, I was yes. like, I have to find something new that I'm discovering in this video <laughs> every time because it's so like mesmerizingly interesting and good. And the Thank song you. is like, so please stream it everyone. It is it is great. And, it, and now that you have the background for everything I think you'll see that it is meaningful as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah thank you so much for having me on. Uh, yeah, This has been a, an amazing conversation and just really like this was exactly, I mean, I mean like March Against Revenge Porn, like what, exactly what I needed um, in that moment. And I am just like so grateful to be um, able to be contributing in any way.
2: No, it's <laughs> been so great to talk to you today. Um, and I really wanted, uh, to go back to what you just said about, um, you know, you spent the week trying to get things down, but then you still wanted to take pictures. And that's one thing that's been really important to us here at March Against Revenge Porn is that we are not anti-nude photos. We want people to take nude photos if that's what they want and yeah. to do it safely and consensually and to feel themselves like, cause you know so often the that, that gut reaction is oh you just had this bad experience no more nudes ever and that's not we're a very sex positive like we want like it's not us taking the nudes that has to change it is everybody else that needs to change in regards to how they interact with those and sort of changing that conversation is so important and i think that your song and the music video and this interview here is hopefully will play such a big role in 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 sort of in showing that and um, as you know Leah and I like to say reclaiming shame.
1: Absolutely, absolutely reclaiming shame.
0: And Sophie, I know, and I, this is all for our listeners as well. I so know um, you're Brooklyn based. We are actually. Cabling at the Pride Fest Street Fair um, from New York City Pride on June 27th in, uh, I think it's in Greenwich Village. So please come visit us. We want to see all of our New York friends. We will be giving t-shirts and merch and uh, literature and really trying to bolster our support amongst the queer commu- queer and trans communities to show that, you know, this predominantly happens to queer and trans people. Um, so please like, come meet us in person um, if you can. And uh, to our audience listening, uh, please come say hi uh, at the Pride Fest Street Fair on June 27th. I think it's from 11 to six and a lot of us on our team will be there. Oh, so yeah. i excited.
1: That's so exciting.
0: Um, but anyway, thank you so much, Sophie, for joining us. Um, it's been a really wonderful, thought-provoking nuanced conversation. And we wanna keep having these conversations. So if you're interested in being on our podcast and telling your story, um, as Sophie represented New York, you can represent your state or country. Um, visit us at marchagainstrevengeporn.org march-across-america to sign up or you can reach out to us on social media, March Against Revenge Porn, and we will guide you in the right direction. Um, so stream nudes in my bedroom, um, follow Sophie on Instagram, and
1: sophiehunter.mp3
0: sophiehunter.mp3 it'll be listed in the description for this episode and we will see you next time thank you so much thank you so much sophie for sharing your story and for fighting back against tech-based sexual abuse on your platform you are making such a difference if you're interested in following sophie and her music you could follow her at sophiehunter.mp3 on instagram or on youtube which will be linked below Thank you for tuning in this week as we uncover the stories of victims of image abuse nationwide. If you're interested in representing your state and telling your story, visit marchagainstrevengeporn.org slash march-across-america. Be sure to join us next time as we march across America. In the meantime, you can listen to our podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Please share our podcast on social media and use hashtag marchagainstrevengeporn and hashtag marchacrossamerica so we can see it. As always, stay strong in your story. We love you. We're proud of you. And we're glad that you're still here. We'll see you next time.